wild courage exists to galvanize a generation of men. The tools and courage to fight for what matters most. And tell the stories that are born in the redemption of lives and souls. Exciting, man. We're here. It's computer plugged in. <laughs> computer is plugged in this time. Sweet. So I text, texted you yesterday. I was going to text you yesterday. But you didn't. I didn't. You said, let's wait. Yep. Because we, this journey, this process of getting to actually publishing podcasts has been arduous. That's your word for the day. It's been a challenge. And part of that, there, there's just no secret. You have been the engine. But you keep bringing this thing up and as a, as a gift to you and a gift, gift to any of our listeners. I want to give you an opportunity to answer a question that I have for you that's been the driver of this entire wild courage adventure imagine that the hopeless man is sitting in my chair right now you've wanted to say some things to him through this vehicle of this podcast for months and he wakes you up at night he wakes you up in the morning he has caused you to push through a lot of obstacles that we've come up against and you never talk about, I want to show people a cool logo. You never say, I want to get guys together for an event because I really want to do the event. You always say, there's that hopeless guy and he's been the driver. And so for the next few minutes, Jeremy, what do you want to say to that guy who's sitting in his car right now? He's sitting in his living room trying to unwind from the day. He's at work and in the middle of a shift and he's totally bummed out and not excited about life. He's discouraged. He's dealt with the same addiction and failed again last night. He is not sure if his marriage is going to make it to the end of the week. Christmas is coming up and there's nothing joyful about it. He is the hopeless man that... For you personally, he's woke you up for months now. What do you want to say to him? Wow, I was not ready for that question. Um, <clears throat> that guy has been waking me up. Mm -hmm. um, because I've been that guy. Mm. And... There is something so powerless mm -hmm. about being hopeless and feeling not only on an island, but on an island of doom mm -hmm. with no way out. And having been on that island and got off that island, I have such a capacity for compassion for the guy who's on that island that 
I feel like I have the map hmm. that can get him yeah. off the island. Mm-hmm. And it makes me emotional because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I, again, I, I just, I can get, I'm not that far removed from being on that island. Yeah. That it breaks my heart for any of my brothers that I know and don't know that are on that island. And it, as far as they can see, there's no hope in sight. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that guy that you described that's in that now, especially coming with the holidays, I know how hard that can be. Yeah. Yeah. And painful and the opposite of joy and togetherness and family and, even if you're surrounded by family, I, I it also can feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's a great question. I, I have a lot to say mm-hmm. to that man. And um, my tendency would be to let him drink from the fire hose of what I know and have fought for and been blessed with and how my life's been redeemed. Um, but I think small manageable doses is probably the yeah the right way to go about this and so i appreciate that question and over the next however long this thing mm-hmm. this journey goes of wild courage and and giving hope to the hopeless man i hope that we can give bits of the map yeah. on how to get off that yeah. that island um that that leads to wholeness mm-hmm. and hope and to the redeemer. Um, and so with that being said, I, I just want to say that I'm living proof yeah. that hope is available and it's not out of your reach and you're not alone. And the, the, my heart behind this podcast is to give that hope mm-hmm. and to, help men understand that they aren't alone because I felt so alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, from alone in my addiction to alone in my suicidal thoughts and actions and destructive behavior and, and emotional based decisions that landed me nowhere good um, to a life of abundance and friendship and brotherhood and family and love and, in a, and it happened in a relatively short amount of time. So mm-hmm. to that man who can identify with the hopelessness mm-hmm. of, and again, the hopeless island can be in a marriage, mm-hmm. with a job, with kids, with all the bo- proverbial boxes checked. Mm-hmm. That can be, you can still be on an island. So mm-hmm. that I'm speaking to that guy too. Yeah. Um, because I had all the things too at one point, you know? And so it's hopes available and coming. Yeah. And it's, it's so powerful. Hopelessness is a very negative, powerful emotion, emotion, but hope is also a very powerful emotion that is life giving. Mm -hmm. And so that's our goal. Yeah. 
on this podcast is to give hope and to talk to to men who have been through absolute hell on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, some by their own demise and decisions and choices, and a lot of them um, by life circumstances and things that were out of their control, but how they've found their road to redemption and found their own unique story and how they found the Redeemer. Yeah. And the freedom that comes in that journey and the hope that comes with it and the 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 net um the profit in it is is all the fruit, the joy, the peace. Mm-hmm. You can't give away what you don't have, something we say a lot. And because I've been on my redemption road and been redeemed and have hope now. I just, man, my life is, I just want to give it to giving it away mm-hmm. and and helping men on their journeys and yeah. showing them bits and pieces of what I've learned and what you've learned and what we've learned as a community mm. um, to help fill in the missing pieces of other men's maps of mm-hmm. how how can you go on a road your own road to redemption to get off that that island and yeah. come out of isolation and and become the man that you were called to be and you were designed to be and to live up to your potential and to grow in a community um, of men who are willing and able to support you in that journey. Yeah. To, to use your illustration, uh, the guy that's on the island and he's... I think about this often, like when somebody's rescued, like just the other day, there was an article about a guy that had been shipwrecked. He's clinging to the top of his boat and the coast guard comes ripping up. I always think about the rescuer. Like how cool would that be to be the guy that says, I see him. You get to rip up and throw the life preserver and pull him up. Or the guy that's in the airplane and he spots the guy down there on the island. And I think, Today, what I wanted was for for you to be able to fly that airplane over Mm. all those guys on an island. That doesn't mean that you can immediately land the plane, pick them up, and take them off the island. But just knowing that he's seen. That's good. You do that so well. And Mm, I wanted guys to feel that today when they hear these words. Wild curds exist for them. We want to be the airplane that's flying over saying, help is coming. And we do have some of those resources. We, we can point them and connect them with the things that they are going to need to start taking those steps of redemption because we've walked it. Uh, there's a lot of things you can be an expert in and uh, for good or for bad, we're experts in redemption because we've walked it and we've walked with a lot of other people through it. Um, and so that guy that's, that's there today, our heart is for you. And uh, this, this, wild courage thing exists because we care about you and we see you and we want you to know that today. Um, talk a little bit when you and I talk about redemption in particular, some people I think might assume that that means that we're just saying your life is going to get good. It's so much more than that. So talk a little bit about redemption and, you you alluded to it in some of those words you described, but what is redemption and what what are we talking about when we talk about this road of redemption? 
It's a, it, it is a journey. It's mm-hmm. not your, I liked how you said that it's not necessarily somebody's going to land on that Island in a helicopter and pick you up right away. Mm-hmm. They might fly over because mm-hmm. the weather's pretty rough mm-hmm. and drop you little care packages to help you get through until a time where you, you may have to create a safe landing place for them to land to mm-hmm. pick you up. And that might take a while. For me, it took years. Um, And everybody's journey is different. I want to encourage guys that I know, I know, I know guys in marriages that were restored in weeks, maybe months. Yeah. Mine took years. Yeah. Literally, I love meeting guys on this journey that had their marriages were at the brink like mine was. Mm Mm-hmm. And God redeemed their marriage, and and not that they were like completely healed, but in a very f- uh, short order. Mm-hmm. And I, to them, I'm like, that's amazing. My addiction is like that to other men, right? Mm-hmm. Because I was an addict, and and I have no other way to say God took it from me mm-hmm. in an instant. It was gone, mm. and. For other guys, it's a five-year journey of Battle. of yeah. battling with it every day and every moment. So I don't want to say, I'd always be careful to say, here's the process. Right. Here's what you do. We're going to walk you through these steps, and then you're going to find redemption this way, because that's a lie. Mm-hmm. It looks different for everyone. Um, I do think that... If we can get the the hard part about it is not being is being so short sighted, yeah, yeah, right. Especially yep. when you're in pain, is man, I just want to be out of my circumstances. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your circumstances don't change until you do mm-hmm. say yes to this process of whatever that that journey looks like for you. Mm-hmm. And for me, some things were super fast, like yeah. the addiction gone, yeah, miracle overnight. Well, overnight after you know. Yeah. Decades of yeah. being an addict. But my marriage redemption story is still in process, but it took mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. of being separated and in a lot of pain and, and anguish in, in that situation that I caused ultimately. But yeah. that redemption road looked different. Mm-hmm. But there's something about not giving up, mm-hmm. which is where I want to, I would start with encouraging anyone. Mm-hmm. whether it's an addiction or marriage or job or relationship with girlfriend or fiance or f- parents, your mom, your dad, like give redemption a chance. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that comes through a very hard process of submitting mm-hmm. your life to the Redeemer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that looks different for everyone. Um, but like we've been talking a lot about humility, I think it really starts there. But it's what what could be possible if I didn't give up? Mm. If I just held on, but not for holding on sake, you know? Because mm-hmm. that's hopeless in itself, because mm-hmm. I've been there too. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, if I can just not drink for one more day, maybe it'll save my marriage. Mm-hmm. And then the next day comes and I couldn't keep it together, you know? Mm-hmm. But not giving up, with hope, the focus, mm-hmm. like there's a different lens. If you could put glasses on that had hope, 
and looked at things through hope, that I think gives you the courage to not give up. Mm-hmm. I think that's like kind of the baseline of where you'd start mm-hmm. the journey of your road to redemption. Mm-hmm. Is it's got to there's got to be a spark of hope of why why say yes to this again? Why fight for my marriage? Why fight to raise my kids? Why fight to have relation with my parents or or my kids? You know, like mm. I think that that road of redemption starts with. Yeah. That, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. And it's going to, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it, one of the things we want to do on this podcast is, is bring a number of people on to tell their stories of redemption. We have some good ones. We do. Uh, literally hundreds of people that we could and should and will bring on to tell their stories of redemption. I know for me, um, in the midst of, of rebuilding my marriage, there was nothing that was more uh, valuable and precious to me during that time than to hear another guy say, I've been there and it's possible. It, it can happen. I, it happened to me. It can happen to you. And I think that's one of the things that we are so motivated by is offering those stories so that that guy that feels like he's on an island knows it's possible for him. Did you have that? Did you have someone in your life? Uh, I, in your broken, broken season? No. I didn't either. No. I had, surprisingly enough, I had more people, even family, like, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, shockingly, like, Yeah. yeah, even like, yeah. So called like Christian mm-hmm. folk, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, you tried, yeah, yeah, like, wait, w- what? Yeah, I would hear a verse in a song and it would offer like beauty from ashes type stanza, yeah. And I thought, oh, maybe, you know, but there was not that constant person or influence in my life, um, that was speaking hope until much later when you came along and that changed everything Hmm. for me. And that's when you and I really, I think this vision began to get birthed that man, we have something so valuable for men that are hopeless. And that's simply offering our stories as a little bit of hope, a little light to say that it's possible. Well, that's where that's done and he can do it again. Yeah, that's where the courage part comes in. Huge. Which I think is important mm-hmm. to maybe share. Yeah. Our, where where we really connected was at a friend's house. Yeah. As our wives got to mm-hmm. know each other. Mm-hmm. And hanging out, a life group. And then I remember... Um, inviting you and a couple guys that you didn't really know mm-hmm. over to my barn for a little campfire mm-hmm. and you having the courage to do the unthinkable mm-hmm. and share your story and your redemption story mm-hmm. with us in the midst of the healing process, mm-hmm. which makes it more vulnerable. Look, Hey, <laughs> it's a lot different for us to tell our stories to whoever might listen to this now. Yeah. Cause we've removed. experienced yeah. <laughs> a great deal of healing yeah. Yeah. in our 
person and mm-hmm. spiritually and emotionally and in our marriages mm-hmm. and financially. Mm-hmm. Like we're we look a lot different than we did mm-hmm. in the midst of our brokenness. Oh, yeah. But you were still coming out of that when that night at the yeah. at my barn. Yeah. And I'll never forget like thinking you were a cool dude and everything, but when I, I didn't know why I just felt like we were I was supposed to get some dudes together and mm-hmm. let's see what happens. Like I had no agenda really. And the courage that you had to tell ultimately strangers hmm. your story. I just remember weeping like mm-hmm. the opposite being true of what keeps us from telling our stories. Right. Is like that thing in, Oh, if they really knew me, they, there's no way they could like me. There's no way they could. And you pressing through that somehow mm. and being vulnerable at at something so intimate mm. that me, the, tr- the truth of what happens in those scenarios, which we just don't buy that narrative is, right. I immediately was in, like, loved you. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this guy and I are going to walk through some stuff together because... Mm-hmm. The balls he had, mm. the courage he had to sit with a group of guys he did not know. One you'd met that night, mm-hmm. and two other guys you barely knew. Barely knew, yeah. And to be that kind, to have that kind of vulnerability. But what made you decide <laughs> that night? Because you, mm. again, you didn't really know mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Like, where did you? Where did that courage come from to tell us your story? Which, at some point, not today, Matt yeah. and I yeah. will tell you guys are stories and maybe it'll be in chunks. Maybe it'll be all yeah. at once. We'll just see. Yeah. But yeah, I, we've, we've talked in other conversations. We'll talk again. I, I had made when the wheels came off in my life and it came off in a very public way, very fast too, like overnight, overnight. Yeah. Very public, humiliating. And when that happened, you, when you start the process of rebuilding, you have to make some fundamental decisions about how this is going to go. We've talked about the fact you, you got to decide, are, are you going to be a victim? Or are you going to own it? We talked about the fact that you, you basically have to make a decision. Will I own all the fallout of my decisions or will I pass the buck or ignore it or pretend it doesn't exist? One of the decisions I made that was fundamental early on was I can never go through life not having people close enough that could ask me the kinds of questions that would prevent me from doing this again. Mm-hmm. One, one of the things that I recognized early on was I rem- I didn't wake up one day and decide to have an affair. It was a process. And part of that process was isolating myself from anybody that was close enough that could call me out on stuff that was concerning. And I... I don't know if that was subconscious or consciously, but I severed or ended most of those close relationships. As part of the redemption and rebuilding process, I just committed, I can't ever do that again. Some guys can do it. They can live their lives primarily on their own, and, and I don't know if they experience any kind of success in that or not. For me, I knew I couldn't. I'm not wired that way. I needed to have guys in my life that could ask those questions. So then when we moved here and you and I met. I think that's important. You yeah. 
you weren't running from no that, Mm-mm. but circumstances of the fallout, yeah, of yeah, your story, which again we'll get into yeah. another time, which is part of the bravery. Like nobody yeah. here knew your story. No, you left a town where this publicly came oh, out, yeah. yeah, and you held some very high mm-hmm. positions in the community. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah very scandalous and a big deal. Yeah, you come moved to Idaho. No one knows. Nobody knows anything. Mm-mm. I just know you as this like yeah. Very put together, handsome couple, you and your beautiful mm-hmm. wife and your beautiful three boys. Yeah. Like, w- that took some courage in itself because yeah. you were starting over. Yeah, and, and you're right. We, we've we said that the vast majority of the reasons behind us moving was not that we were running from something. We lived there for close to a year, and I had to own my mistakes after for an entire year facing people in the grocery store and all of that kind of thing. So I, I didn't get an easy out in that, but we also realized that we, that our children and especially my wife were not being in the afforded the opportunity to move past this. Sure. The redemption and the healing was happening, but we weren't experiencing that on like the horizontal level. Mm Mm-hmm. We had experienced, we were experiencing on the vertical level, but we couldn't live out that redemption and that grace and that rebuilding because people hold a different standard. Yeah, you're swimming, you're really swimming up river trying to carry your whole family. Like, yeah, you're in house taking care of things and yeah. rebuilding and yeah. getting your ass kicked. Yeah, yeah, by a very judgmental. Mm-hmm. And right, rightfully so in some cases, uh, you know, that yeah. it's just p- part of it. And so, so we, we moved here, but I realized very quickly and I had to ask my wife, I realized quickly that it was a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing coming here and no one knows, but the curse is that I could start the facade all over mm-hmm. if I wanted to. And I knew myself well enough to know that that temptation was real. And so I asked Candace, I got to find some men that I can be real with because I can't walk this redemption by myself. You didn't know that was, it could be us, though. I had no idea. That's the courage I had part. no idea. And that, that night, I remember driving here thinking, if it comes up, we're, and, and I knew we were going to hang out in your barn and, and shoot the breeze in with guys, that, I think that door opens up more often than we think, but we just don't walk through it. Do you think it was easier because you didn't know us? Would it have been harder if we were two years into our friendship and you'd be like, oh, I got to tell you this thing? Yeah. I Maybe? It's interesting. I never thought about it. I, I Honestly, I, I want people to know this about me sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I think part of that is because you and I have had another conversation about this. I just so desperately want to be known for who I am. And I don't do well when... I think people are operating under a false premise about me, good or bad. Yeah. I just am not comfortable with it. Well, and living with shame. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I driving here that night. Yeah. It was on the it was on the radar, but not you weren't right. for sure if you're gonna pull the trigger. No, no. But I remember thinking if it comes up, I'm gonna talk about it. And I knew it was calculated in the sense that I knew it was 50-50 because I'd done it two weeks prior with our pastor. I needed him to know this is our story. 
this is who I am and this is where we're at in this redemption process. I needed him to know. And you tell people your story and then there's about a five second pause when I'm done talking and it's the person's opportunity to respond. And I'm telling you, that's a terrifying five seconds. It probably feels longer. Because, yeah, five <laughs> minutes. Because you don't know what that response is going to be. And they and can't qu- fake it. No. And quite frankly, they don't owe me anything. You didn't owe me acceptance and love and compassion that night. You didn't owe that to me. That's a gamble that I was willing to take because, it, at least in my mind, that that reality is either you're going to love me for who I am or you and I were never going to go deep anyhow. Yeah. Because I know the kind of people that I want to spend the bulk of my time with. And they're people that aren't afraid of some scars and some scabs and some stinky socks. Those are my people. And, and I don't do the other thing well. I don't do pretty and put together and shiny happy people very well. And so for me, I knew, okay, we're in a life group together, going to the same church. We're, we're obviously have some things in common. Let's go here. Which, and if it doesn't work, it yeah, doesn't Yeah, and work. which historically doesn't really mean anything either. No, it really but doesn't. there is a little... Yeah, yeah. It, it's a little bit of a... It potentially could be a little bit of a softer landing, mm-hmm. but you're also coming back into an environment that hurt you the most. That's part of the vulnerability yeah. and the and the courage of what you did was yeah. the same potential of where you got mm-hmm. really hurt and mm-hmm. not condition like con- you were very conditionally loved. Mm-hmm. You were coming back into that similar yeah sphere and going. I'm going to try this again, regardless of the outcome. Like that's he, courage. No, you're exactly right. And to me, it was. Part of it was I I was really curious. For 12 years, I was an associate pastor and in Christian leadership of varying capacities. And when I failed morally and publicly, I there was one man, one man out of 12 years of serving in very public, very well-known, there was one guy that showed up at my door to see if I was okay. One guy. Now look, again, none of those guys owed me anything. But what it did made me question was, have I ever experienced Quinania Fellowship? Have I ever experienced any kind of friendship in my life? If when I have absolutely nothing to offer anybody and to associate with me would be potentially to to be to share in my shame and no one shows up then you just wonder then what were we doing mm. what did we actually mm-hmm. what what, what did we common, spend our entire yeah. life doing if if the one time that i need it it's not there so to me instead of i think some people would leave the church and just say well christians are hypocrites and that would be the end of it i think a lot of people have written that chapter for well, me it's, it's a thing that happens i mean Sure. It's happening right now on sure. a very large scale. Absolutely. The same thing you experienced. Yeah. When you, just off track for a second, because yeah. it, yeah. I think it's interesting with Carl Lentz. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what was your initial reaction to hearing about that? Was he the one that got 
he just got he was yeah. uh, Hillsong yeah. in New York City yeah. to pass or like celebrity passed yeah. through. Yeah. Got found out he was having an affair and right. got let go by Yeah, yeah. And I mean that's like very similar. My my first reaction to that, I remember thinking the ministry is not a safe place to fall and to be rebuilt quickly. Um and listen, I, I don't want to minimize sexual sin and the gravity of it. You you talk about taking a jackhammer to your wife's heart. That's the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. And the devastation is devastating. I mean, it is deep. complete and deep and right to their core. I'm the last one on earth that would minimize that. But there was, there is a sense in which there's a huge disconnect between sin and failure and the varying degrees that the church Christians place on that. And to me, I struggled with it because I had canceled people that were addicted to pornography, but they, they didn't experience the same kind of shame. Mm-hmm. I counseled people that were addicts and, they didn't experience the same kind of shame and people that had, I remember this one guy had been caught embezzling from his business and he didn't experience the same kind of shame. Like to me, why the very such variance in, in our response to certain sins that one carries. And again, not to minimize the fact that I, I resigned no one fired me. No one asked me to step. I resigned. I knew that according to the New Testament and Timothy, I was not qualified to lead spiritually because of the sin I committed. That was not the issue. The issue was where was the church to help rebuild or to make sure even genuine repentance had happened. And so like when I heard about Carl Lentz, I remember thinking, I wonder what the support network will be because typically people want to publicly distance themselves to say it's well, not okay what they did. in our cancel culture. Like he, big time. He just got canceled. Oh, big time. And nobody wants to be. And his wife and children got canceled as well. That's what's tricky about it. And that's why I asked is like, I'm sure at some level you have a, a, mm-hmm. a level of compassion for yeah. him that that I probably couldn't understand, even yeah. though I, I'm fairly yeah. compassionate. So I, I'm not going to crucify him. Like that's not my job, yeah. but it, it's to our point mm-hmm. of bringing you back to the barn of mm-hmm. you made a decision. Yeah. Which he's finding out right now. And I've heard, I listened to his exit interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a support mm-hmm. around him, mm-hmm. which is what, yeah. Years and years ago, you realized moving yeah. here yeah. prior to coming to the barn, like, yeah. okay, moving forward, yeah, I can't go this alone. And it wasn't, I'd done accountability groups. You know how much line takes place in an accountability yeah, group? I do. <laughs> um, I've been to AA. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the, the principle that gets minimized in that context is, again, our deepest need is to be known. And to know. And that's what I was curious of. I wasn't willing to just walk away from the church and say, Christians are hypocrites. When I send, everyone abandoned me. That Like that 
just never went through my head. What went through my head is I can't ever have the same approach to relationships that I've had in the past, which is let everyone see what I want them to see and don't let anybody see what I don't want them to see. And so when I came to the barn, that was the gamble was we're either going to get go there and it's going to work or it's not. And so the five second pause happens and I look up after talking for probably an hour, telling our entire story, I look up and four strangers are tear stained cheeks weeping over my pain. And I remember thinking it's possible. Like there's, there's guys who there's hope. are willing to do this. Yeah. And that launched a friendship and a sojourning that absolutely changed my life and, and my marriage as a result. And that's what you and I are now so passionate and spend not only our time with Wild Courage, but in our professional lives and businesses and leadership areas, we've just committed ourselves to this proposition that, no, it's possible. It's possible to be humble. It's possible to be real. It's possible to have really difficult conversations and to speak truth and love. You don't have to kill one of those lambs. You don't have to sacrifice one of them. You can hold both in tension. And it's possible to do life in a quinonia type way. And what I mean by that is a, a, a authentic friendship that's born of something more than just liking each other. Much, much deeper than that. And and we found wholeness in that process. And it's bled over into our marriages. And Candace and I have not only experienced redemption, but we have a level of intimacy that, and, and I tell people all the time, I'm not recommending you go out and destroy your wife's heart to get the marriage of your dreams. I'm just saying God did that in my life. I, I saw my wife devastated by my decisions. And then I saw God absolutely rebuild her. And the marriage that we have now and the woman that I'm married to are absolutely the stuff that I dreamed about. It's it's the kind of marriage I always wondered, is it possible? She's a, I, I truly, and it sounds so cliche, but I truly love and appreciate her more today than I ever have in my entire life. Well, and it, anybody that's around you can tell. Hmm. That's the fruit of, yes, we say a lot of big things here, yeah. but I, I think what, where, where, where wild courage is coming out of is a place of how we authentically live our lives yeah. in all these areas <clears throat> that look like our home lives yeah. that look like us as coaches. Yeah. That looks like us as business owners, mm-hmm. as mentors, mm-hmm. as leaders in different capacities, mm-hmm. as brothers, mm-hmm. like Wild Courage is this authentic, comes from this authentic place of like, we're not just talking about this stuff, but yeah. there's fruit, there's yeah. tangible fruit in our all these areas of our lives. Not to say that we've arrived anywhere, because yeah. we're so in the middle of our journey, because yeah. God's still writing our stories. Yeah. But we're far enough along in this journey that we mm-hmm. feel like there's enough fruit that, again, you can't yeah. give away what you don't have. And we feel like yeah. our, our cups are truly overflowing yeah. with redemption and promise and hope and yeah. joy and peace. And yeah. <clears throat> again, 
it's not smooth sailing by any stretch. And we're willing to have these conversations of the hard things we're going through and experiencing because we feel like not just you and I, but our tribe, mm-hmm. which we'll get into yeah. in depth later too. Um, Cause this is bigger than just the two of us, but we've, we've found our tribe and we're finding our stride, I would say mm-hmm. right now too, in what this really looks like to live out vulnerability with men yeah. in every area of our life. And there's fruit. Yeah. If there wasn't fruit, we wouldn't be able to be sitting here talking to you guys about hope and redemption and joy and peace and yeah. um, being seen and being known and being mm-hmm. heard. And mm-hmm. believe me, we have, as you guys will hear about, we have plenty of mm-hmm. hard conversations and go through, navigate hard things. And, you know, we're at that age of experiencing loss and, you know, my father died mm-hmm. and having this tribe around made that so much easier to navigate. And um, so we're not suggesting that, that we've arrived anywhere, but there is fruit. There is an authentic expression of how we're living our lives out in private and in public and with our business partners and with our customers and Mm -hmm. our employees. And that I think, we don't have to be ashamed of anything we say because we're, yeah. we're really trying to walk this thing out. Yeah. I, in business, we talk about proof of concept, right? And that's when the market validates that your concept, mm. your yep. idea has value. So they're willing to pay for it. That's when you know you got something and you can market it and all of that. The proof of concept for Wild Courage has been how many men we've shared either our personal stories or the vision for what we want to do who have then instantly said, I need that, I want that, how do I be part of that? For us, it was never pitching anything as much as just rehearsing what we have experienced and what our lives have been about. And that's when we realized we had something we needed to do. It was a burden that we needed to act on and, and to put our feet and our hands to that work. And that's what's resulted in the wild courage. The other thing I want to say, it, there was a, one of the guys I respect the most. Um, he said one time, people are not a problem to be fixed, but a soul to be sojourned mm. with. And his point was, and and I think it's real important because if people are trying to see you, is this something I want to keep listening to, keep subscribing to? What's the, we don't believe that there's a 10 step program to fix you. You're so much more than whatever it is you're dealing with. You are a soul and we just want to sojourn with you. We want to walk with you. It's the way we approach everything. I think about the mentorship relationships we have. I think about, like you said, the coaching and the leadership that we have the incredible humbling privilege to be a part of. We don't come in with a program that we're trying to lay over people because it doesn't work. Or so. Yeah. We simply believe that if you can be honest and genuine with people and walk with them through whatever they're walking through, that's that healing comes from that. And so there's language that we use and, and there's terms we talk about and there are principles that we abide by and there's, you know, convictions that we hold for sure, but you'll never see those come in a 12 step program. 
you'll you'll never see us produce you know ten steps to a happier marriage just because it's not the way we operate. And I'm not saying any of those things are bad. There's a lot of incredible content out there, For but sure. it's just not us. We just believe get it get in a barn, start a fire, and be real with each other, and something special happens. We've just seen it hundreds of times and through the yeah, years. And still see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yesterday. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm I'm excited for where we're heading. I'm excited that we're here. We're, we're launching this and, and we're introducing it to the public. And we're excited for your feedback. We're excited for the future and, and the things that we have planned and the things that we have set as goals. And again, it goes back to where we started this conversation you're, you're there today, whatever your context is, and you feel alone. Jeremy and I are here to tell you you're not. The airplane's circling, hope is coming, and, yep. and we're excited to bring it to you. And there's some paratroopers that we're excited to drop on you guys yeah. and, and these men that have incredible redemption mm-hmm. stories. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm just honored to know some of these these dudes, and they're they're such badasses yeah. in every area of their life. And, and you'd be surprised to know that they're just walking among us. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. just dudes that said yes mm-hmm. to life and the journey and no to giving up. Yeah. And because of that, they're on the other side of horrific mm-hmm. things. Um, so yeah, we're super excited to, to, um, to bring some of those guys in that have agreed to come share their story with us. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so we're, we're excited. Hang on. Hope is coming. Yeah. And we're honored that you guys would spend your time checking us out. Yeah. So till next time, Swallow Courage podcast, be sure to click and subscribe.